Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. Today's guest is Dr. Judith Annette Milburn to explore the journey of self-awareness and the path to loving oneself unconditionally. You were in private practice in Orange County for over 35 years, and prior to that, you were a researcher with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, which was the first ever project to study stress and law enforcement. You were then an associate professor in the Department of Criminal Justice at Cal State Long Beach, as well as a psychologist in the counseling center there. You are a licensed psychologist in California and Oregon, and you currently reside in Oregon. Judith, welcome to the show. It is great to have you as my guest. Thank you, Jane. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) I notice that you use the word of journey of self-awareness and the path to loving oneself unconditionally. What do you mean by it being a journey? It is, I use the word journey very consciously because this path of getting to know ourselves is something that, that occurs over time because we're delving into different levels as well as different aspects of ourselves. One way that I illustrate this uh, in my work with people is that I, I draw a circle on a piece of paper. And I say to the person, you are a wholeness that's represented by that circle. And contained within that wholeness are a multitude of different aspects. Oh, like different personas? Some people call them personas Mm -hmm. or or subpersonalities. Other people call them aspects. Yes, all of that there. Let's say we're rather complex people. (laughs) in our psyche. And we frequently have cut ourselves off from many of the parts of ourselves because they've either been judged earlier in our life and we have made up a story that those parts of ourselves weren't okay. So we pretend... That we're not that. That we don't have the... I don't have those things, I know. I'm, I'm a nice person. I don't have these other things maybe that we want to get rid of. So we've got to develop the mechanism by which we can feel free to see the parts of ourselves that we haven't been able to see before, as well as to explore more deeply the ones that we do know but most likely we only know them at the surface level. Mm. And part of the problem that it's so difficult for us to get to know ourselves is that the eyes that we use to look inside to judge ourselves have a particular storyline, a particular belief, a particular ideal that we're supposed to live up to. And if we don't meet that, a whole bunch of feelings of inadequacy rise up in us. 
we are aware that we will try to block off those parts. So it's as if, let's say that we've got this circle and we've got, and I've just divided it up like you would a, a, pie. Uh, a pie with with rather small pieces there. And so let's say that there's half of that that you don't like, or that if you acknowledge that those were part of you, that would mean there is something somehow less than about you. You mean not perfect. Not perfect. Not shiny the way I want to be. project yes. myself to the world. Not the way that I think I ought to be. Mm. So let me kind of leave that there and then kind of show how this works. When we're born, we're this little thing that comes out into the world, and we don't have, we're not born with a clear GPS. <laughs> and so we've got to figure out how to make it in the world. You know, when we come out into the world, there's all these bright lights and Oh, how wonderful, isn't she sweet, and da-da-da-da. And then we begin over the next weeks and months to be aware that this person they call Dada likes for me to be a certain way, and this Mama person, she likes something else, and Grandma and Granddad, they like something else, and it's really confusing. And then over time, we learn that if we do this, we may get spanked or given a time out. And if we don't do this for this person, we may get difficulties. And so it's confusing because everybody seems to have different ideas. About how we should be. About how we should be. And they'll even say, I hope you're not like your older brother. He doesn't study well. He doesn't want to go to school. Or he gets in, he talks back to his mother and You know, we get all of these messages about who is good in the family and who we're not supposed to be like and what we're supposed to be like. And then we go to school, and there's these people they call teachers have got a whole other set of things that we're supposed to be. And then we're given the message that if we don't do our best and we aren't shining and, you know, At the top of the class, we're not doing our best, and that's not enough. But sometimes that's all we can do. So we're we're confused, and we begin to feel like something is wrong with us Mm. because we can't be what everyone wants. And we may even get punished quite a bit for not being like we're supposed to be. Well... And then maybe we're meeting most of those expectations, but we go to school and our our classmates don't like it. That's right. Mm. So all we know is in order to be safe, we're supposed to be what other people like. Oh. (laughs) And it can be a surprise at times. Let's just give an example that if we happen to be a very uh, music and uh, uh, fine arts and dance-oriented person. But we happen to be born into a family that dearly loves all the sports activities. And they expect us, let's say if I'm a, if I'm a young boy, and I would rather 
play in the band or take piano or do something like that. And I even like composing music. But they want me to play football and run track. And I don't want to do that. So in order to not get in trouble with dad, probably, I have to drop off what is really what I want to do in order to do what he wants me to do. So I'm left with this feeling of confusion and split. There must be something wrong with me Mm. if I'm not wanting to be the way he says I should be because he and my older brother and his and dad's uncle and I mean brother, they all do that, but that's not what I want to do. But I have to do it. So this other that part of me, I have to either do it in my own time in secret or I have to just pretend it's not a part of me. So there's the split. So we begin to have great confusion at this point. So there's no way we can fully love ourselves because we're not being able to be true to ourselves, and we probably aren't the shining star in athletics that we would be if we could do the music and so forth that we really wanted to be. In some families, we get punished when we're not A's and B's and the star. And so one of our primary desires growing up is to be safe, which means not to be punished and to meet people's expectation. But it just doesn't seem possible, you know, because it's like I have to rebel in order to be myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's very confusing. And so in addition to needing to be safe, we want to be loved. Yes, and when, we are not, when we're not doing what they, and they is plural, when we're not doing what all of them want us to do, they're not loving us. Mama loves a good girl. Mama loves a good boy. And we spend our lives figuring out, in order to be safe, we're figuring out what we, can, what we have to do to be loved. So it's like rules. Um, children should be seen, not heard. And... Right, that's exactly right. And then the third thing that we're trying to learn is how to be successful. And so, of course, that's very confusing when we're not doing what they, when we don't want to do what they want us to do and we can't do what we're really good at. And so these parts of ourselves then go down into what we call the unconscious. Mm. And we're not able to maximize ourselves because these are not accepted. So what happens, and this, is, this happens in one degree or another for everybody, unconsciously, and when I say unconsciously, what I mean is we're not aware that we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And we're not aware that we're not aware that we're doing this. (laughs) Or we're not aware that we're not aware that we're not aware that we're not. That's how it works in the unconscious. So much gets stuffed. And we begin to find out that there's just a lot in our life that maybe we can't express because it doesn't meet people's preferences. And we have to remember that our parents 
went through similar situations with their parents and their parents with their parents. So this is a universal kind of phenomenon where we're trying to find ourselves and be ourselves when our self is not acceptable. Parts of us is not. Yeah. And it seems like our whole self isn't. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, the thing that I find so often in just almost all of us, we have this feeling of I'm just not enough. Hmm. I'm not worthy. I'm just not acceptable. And this is, sometimes it's kind of just right up here in our face. Other times it takes a while for it to, to come forward. But, but we're aware that we're just always walking on eggshells, afraid that we're going to be found out. Uh-huh. And what we're going to be found out is that we just don't measure up. We don't fit. Yes. So why would I want to explore myself and know myself when I've already come to the place where I find that whatever I am is not good enough? Yes. And you wouldn't so, want to know that. No, I just keep closing down because it, it feels far too frightening. What's going on underneath this is the part of us that is observing ourselves. Uh-huh is this part of us that has been socialized by the beliefs and expectations and preferences of our parents, our grandparents, peers, peers, the, our teachers, ministers, yeah. teachers, everything. And we get all kinds of messages of thou shalt not <laughs> and thou shalt. This can just feel like a horrible prison and there's no way out. I remember when I was a teenager and I was, you know, very um, interested in boys and sex and stuff. And, um, and that was really against the church. So one night I dreamed I killed the preacher. <laughs> <laughs> my, my solution. <laughs> so what, you're just introducing something that we can talk about later on, but certain parts of us that can only come out in the dream realize that we need to get rid of something in our life. And so it doesn't, doesn't mean that we have to physically kill the preacher in real life, but it means we have to get out from under the influence of the preacher. And of course, that can be easier said than done because the preacher historically has a place of uh, prominence and he's he or she, usually he, is giving the word of God, and they're supposed to have, they're the only ones that have a direct connection to God. And so if whatever they say is what all these other people go by. So you can see there's, frequent, there's just not a lot of space here. So the word that comes to mind as you're talking is reconcile. How do I reconcile these disparate, that's that's one way to say it, yeah. Mm. Let me back up a little bit. So what we have to learn to do, as I see it, is that we have to learn, we ourselves have to develop another set of eyes by which we can observe ourselves and the world. 
But let's just stay with ourselves right now. Because the set of eyes we have belongs to what we also call the ego. Because the ego is what begins to develop as we are developing as a young child. The ego is, in slang words, I think of it as the ego is that part of awareness that's driving our car through mm-hmm. life. It's, it's, it's what's telling us where to go and how to go and what to do. But it is socialized by all of these early experiences. So it is doing, it's sometimes caught because it's doing what it's being told, but we're breaking out and trying to do what we also want to do. Yes. Uh, but we, and so the only way we can find a way to do it is to think of killing the preacher. <laughs> but that's what we have to do. We have to learn how to get out from under these particular beliefs and stories and ideas that have socialized us. Now, the other piece is, it's, it's important that we get socialized and yes. that we learn how to behave. Right. And, you know, as a little kid in the, uh, uh, let's say, three, four, five, once the little child learns that it can say no, <laughs> you know, what, the, what, what all that is. And so learning how to deal with this part of us that wants to say no, but can't because it's going to get me in trouble. So we have to find a way to get another driver for our car, our psyche, our life, that is going to help us to not only be able to do that well, we've got to, under, we've got to be able to see ourselves, and we've got to find a way to then let ourselves develop and see ourselves with clear eyes. So this is what I call the process of learning how to create an inner non-judgmental observer. Because this young ego that has been developing, that observer that's there is always going to be judgmental. And it sees through the eyes and convinces us in one way or another that we're just not quite lovable, we don't measure up, we're not as smart as, we're not as talented as, we're not worthy even. It just has this whole litany. So I, I just wanted to ask here, for some listeners who may be elders or, you know, late in life, is there no hope for it? Or Well, there may, somehow as we progress in life, we learn frequently how to... Uh, not abide by all of the rules. However, <laughs> what I find is that somewhere down in the psyche, there is this part that's still shaking its finger at us that says, bad girl, bad boy. Huh? And this level of work, most of the time is not really undertaken by anybody until somewhere in midlife or later. Oh, so it's okay. it's like there are other tasks that we have to be doing in life back in the beginning. And we have to get somehow secure enough that we can open up to more. 
And so the first step in this, I think, is the awareness of creating what I call a non-judgmental observer. Now, some traditions use the word witness to develop a witness state. The witness state is a state that can just observe. I like to say non-judgmental because that carries clearly the idea that we can create a part of ourselves that can observe ourselves and is non-judgmental. Or in the beginning of this process, this non-judgmental observer will still be noticing that we're judging ourselves. But we learn how to just notice that this earlier judge is still there and we can just let it go or let it be. We're not immersed in it. We're not still triggered and held, held hostage to it. So I, I'm just kind of interrupting your train a little bit, but you worked with, you studied for many, many years with a man named Brew Joy. Right. And what impressed me about the work over the years, the many years you worked with him, was that you would always get insights into your, your how you've... Um, Myself. Yeah. All of the work we did... When we went, I would go to a two-week conference with him. We were not going to get information given to us. There might be 60 people sitting in the circle. And the work for that two weeks would be each of us bringing forward what we were. He, he would set up the conference. Mm -hmm. And then we would bring forward what was doing us and what we needed clarity and work on. And so I began to be what I felt was very comfortable with exploring the insides of ourselves because we were developing this ability to be able to observe ourselves and make no self-critical judgments. I mean, see, that's very brave, isn't it? Didn't you feel uh, some trepidation early on to do that? Or? No. The first time I heard Bruce speak, I had this experience of this long finger coming out of the universe <laughs> and pointing there and saying, there, you will, in this case, he had been talking about uh, Egyptian a trip to trips to Egypt. And he says, and the voice said, there, you will go to Egypt with him and you will study with him. And I was very clear that I was being given information that I needed to do, I needed to follow. And I had that on a couple of other occasions also. And I think we're given intuitive knowings about what we ought to do. Frequently we ignore them because it seems to take us on a different path mm -hmm. than what we've been on. Yes. I first heard him after I had been working for the sheriff's department. And it was going to, I've forgotten, but I was... I was in there, and so I could see this was going to take me in a different place. Mm. But I only had just a tiny experience of that. But I knew that that was what I needed to follow. I'll take a sideline here, too. I grew up in Sunday school from the time I was a babe in arms. And I remembered the story always of the young boy Samuel, 
There's two books in the Old Testament named after Samuel. And he had been studying in the temple with the priest Eli. And one night he was in his room and he heard his name being called. And he thought Eli was calling him. And two or three times he went in to Eli and said, you called me? No, no, go back. And so finally, after about three times, Eli told him, that's the Lord calling you. And I interpret this as meaning the deep self. Carl Jung would call it the self, which he identified as the organizing principle of our psyche. So I'm just expanding awarenesses that I've had over the last 40 or 50 years. But I begin to be aware that that's what I was hearing. A big part of the work with Brew was learning how to connect with the intuition. Oh, you didn't do that before then? or I... I did, but I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. This was a conscious awareness that was much more fully developed. Somehow I, I did what I felt was the right thing to do, but it felt like it was maybe the part of me that was rebelling. Oh, because in, so you in some discounted or something. Yeah, I, I did it. Like when I when I knew there was when I got my first divorce, I it was very difficult for me to make a choice that as I look back was was a very important choice for me to make. But the only people that I knew that got divorces back at that time were movie stars in California. <laughs> And that was certainly not acceptable. We meet these kind. that's a good juncture about the kinds of things that we have to deal with. These stories that we've made up about what we should and shouldn't do, if we don't follow what we feel we should do, then we miss the opportunity to take a step. And so that's what, in retrospect, I found that most of these difficult decisions that I made were giving me a chance to get to know another part of me because I was not a rebellious kid. I was pretty compliant. And I had to learn how to have some inner direction and know what the next step was going to be or to follow it. You know, in retrospect, I can look back and see, and I don't know how I was able to do it, but I can see uh, decisions that I made that were going against all principle that I had grown up with. And I knew they were right for me. I knew it's what I had to do. It was an inner knowing? An inner knowing. And so somewhere along this way in this journey, and it would take more time than we can talk about here, (laughs) there are many different kind of ways that we begin to find that out of how to pay attention. But we're, that's part of this journey, is finding out how to connect with what this is inside that is this organizing principle of our life. Some people call it the soul. Carl Jung calls it the self, the capital S-E-L-F. I think of the ego as being the little S-E-L-F. At some point, this little self or ego 
has to learn how to subordinate itself to this higher level self that we have to learn how to make connection to. And so that's part of this journey. It's not something that just happens like that. Occasionally it might, or there may be aspects of it. There's a lot of shifting point of view, a lot of changing, a lot of just a lot of depth work. So you have to know whether it's your brother Eli that's calling Samuel or it's the Lord. Right. Uh (laughs) And to distinguish. Okay, so in the few minutes we have left, what would you recommend people do in order to integrate the little self? Okay, well, let's let's let me talk first right now. So we have to learn purposefully. I I use the image of creating a non-judgmental observer for ourselves. And I give the example of it being like a surveillance camera in a bank Oh, that is able to look down into ourselves. Mm-hmm. That surveillance camera does not make any judgments. It just takes pictures. It just observes. So we have to learn how to have a non-judgmental observer that can just observe what's going on inside of us. That's such a good example. I, I get it. I... Yeah. And uh, one of the first things I learned with Brew was an experience that someone who came to study with him had walking along the beach in uh, California, and they were in a heightened state, and they saw the words, make no judgments and make no comparisons, written in the sand. You know, sometimes when we're in a heightened state, we may, and information wants to come through, we may have a sense of thinking about it or seeing it. And so from the beginning, back in the 80s, was this message of make no judgments, make no comparisons. And the next part of that is don't try to understand everything right now. Understanding will come later on in its own particular time. So you've got this non-judgmental observer that can just begin to observe all of these different parts that you're getting accustomed to. Like the pie pieces. All the chart. pie pieces, yeah. uh-huh. And included in that is opposites. Everything in our psyche has its opposite. Oh. That's another day's discussion. And so we have to be able to see those and say, oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> Here I think I'm this nice, sweet little girl, and here's this girl who is not nice and sweet. Isn't that interesting? So would it help to have people draw a circle and then put all the little different parts of themselves down and then begin to to look at them like the observer right. the camera? That would be a that would be a first step. And sometimes it's helpful, like when you put down nice girl on Mm -hmm. one side. On the other side of it, put down what you do that is not the nice girl. And you say... Just assume there's an opposite. You won't have to look very far. (laughs) (laughs) Take me for granted. It's like, Uh oh, isn't this interesting? I am this nice girl, and I have this other part. Isn't that interesting? And I use this term, isn't that interesting? To keep ourselves out of judgment. And to notice 
that when I see this part that isn't very nice, I will automatically and unconsciously have a judgment about it. So I have to see my judgment and say, isn't that interesting? <laughs> so we, in the beginning, we are seeing our judgments and we just let it be. Or if possible, we let it go. But most of the time, we just have to notice, I'm really judgmental about that, my, about that part of myself. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> well, let me go. I've got some being with that to do. And so we just notice it and we leave it there to come back and work with. So this is this process of being able to explore the self and find out these parts. That's part of this big process and this journey. Wow. So are there any last-minute uh, last thoughts you have before we wind down? Learn to appreciate the complexity of your psyche and learn to just be with it from this place of awe and wonder. Then that enables the next steps of the journey to occur as we unfold and I've written about a lot of this on my website. And will you tell you listeners what your website is and how they can... JudithMilburn.com You want to spell it? J-U-D-I-T-H-M-I-L-B-U-R-N Dot com. Dot com. And it's got a lot of information on it. More than you're supposed to have on a website. But... <laughs> I was following my intuition that just this is what wanted to come out. Because we're complex. Because we're complex. So, so is your website. So is my website. <laughs> okay. Well, Judith, thank you very much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure to have you. Thank you. And I will look forward to our other discussions as we take this information and go further with it. Great. Thank, thank you, Jane. You. So you don't miss any of our shows, make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.